My guest Cindy Arlett says procrastination and not including the family in the estate planning process are the prime reasons why there are family breakdowns when there's a death. On this episode of the Executor Help Podcast, how to live and create a legacy your children will want to copy. Welcome to the Executor Help Podcast, a show dedicated to help you settle an estate, pick an executor, and avoid family fights. For more information, visit davided.com. Now here's your host, David E.D. Okay, on this episode of Executor Help, the podcast, I am fortunate today to have with me Cindy Arledge. She is the CEO of the North Texas Family Enterprise Center. She's a visionary who wants to see legacy planning become a recognized industry. Um, Cindy, thanks for taking the time to be here. Um, actually, we're gonna we're gonna have uh, break this our conversation up into two episodes because of what you have to say and share with a lot of people is really important. And I want everybody not just to, you know, I don't want to jam all this information into one episode. So we're going to break it up into two. And so today what we're going to talk about is, it's actually it's based on a bit of a study. It's based on a study that's been done here in Canada. And I'm pretty sure it's the same for uh, families in the United States when it comes to inheritance is that people are, they're procrastinating when it comes to getting started to have an estate plan. Yammered on for a bit, a bit here and I haven't even said uh, welcome. And I'll say it again, welcome. Great to have you here. Good to see you. Well, it's great to be here, David. Thank you for the invitation. And um, just excited to work with you and have this conversation to help families stop procrastinating. Um, recently, there was a, a, um, a survey done and one of the, some of the findings that was interesting to me was that a lot of Canadians were moving away from the traditional generational wealth transfer. They were looking to leave an inheritance before they before they died. Yet, a lot of them were procrastinating to 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 start to do anything. Is that is pretty much what's the same thing that's happening in the United States? Yeah, I do. I believe that, David. And and here I'll even take it one step further. I feel like it's a phenomena of human beingness. I think it's going to be the same play for everybody across the globe. Another interesting thing was from that uh, survey that was done by uh, Edward Jones in Canada here, was that uh, about 56% of the respondents said over the age of 45 said that their motivation for giving assets early was so that they can see their inheritors benefit from what they leave behind. W what do you think about that? Is 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 it because of the pandemic people are looking differently in terms of their estate plan and they want to do more while they're still alive and help the their the next generation? I, I think it's part of it. And another um, aspect that I've seen in talking with the people that I talk to is that the, the old model is kind of broken. You know, when you wait to die to leave your family well there's a there's a concern of what they'll do with it. And so by sharing your wealth with them while you're alive, you're still around to be able to guide them and help them and let them benefit from your wisdom. But why do are are all families um, in tune with making sure that they transfer the wealth properly or, are they, is there, is there some sort of hesitance because we're talking about the procrastination? Why is that there, there, the procrastination? Why do they hold back? 
Well, I think there's multiple reasons. Number one is no matter how much money you have, there's this question of, will I have enough to get me through my life? And as we live longer and longer and we have more medical options, the, um, the opportunities are greater and we have a greater need for enjoying the quality of life that we want throughout our entire life. And so there's this concern of, well, if I give it away now, will I have enough? I think that's one piece of it. I know when basically what we're talking about is legacy planning and legacy. When, when you, when people hear that, they think that's only for the, the ultra rich. Help me understand. And, and for the uh, you know individual listening in, what is a legacy? Well, I, and to your point, legacy means, you know, different things. And that's my goal of having this become a recognized industry and and even my own definition of legacy has changed over the years as I've lived it. It started out as what you leave and that a legacy is what you leave and an inheritance is what people receive. And even in that, there's a difference in perspective, right? And then as I, uh, we've been having what we call our legacy plan in place since 2012. So we're almost 10 years into our legacy planning and what I discovered is that I had to live a legacy before I leave a legacy. So legacy planning for me and what it means for me and that my goal to help um, other people is that to understand that legacy is really the dash between the two dates on a tombstone. It's our life. Right. And so you get to decide how do you want to live it? How do you want to experience life? And where this fits in into the legacy planning, there's a legacy that you live and then there's a legacy that you give. And so many families are living a life that their kids don't want to live. If you think about, you know, even an entrepreneur, right, that puts 60, 70, 80, 100 hours a week into building a business, they may create enormous amounts of, of wealth, but at what cost? And so their kids may see that wealth as missed baseball game, didn't attend my birthday party, was always on the phone uh, instead of being present with the family. So if we're not living a legacy that our family wants to emulate, I think that is one of the blocks and the emotional and relationship issues that come up in the transfer of wealth. And, and is, it's through that legacy building that... If it's not done properly, you say that it's a, I think it's about 70% never transfers to the next generation and it doesn't make it to the third generation. Is that because the, the inheritor seizes money entitled to them? And if, you know, we've missed that, that baseball game. So, you know, that's money's coming to me, but it, it, it doesn't have the same meaning as, a, uh, as opposed to, you know, it's being um, the person who's leaving it to me. They're saying, oh, I'm giving you a gift to carry on. Yeah, it's, it's so in answer to your question, uh, yes. The short answer <laughs> is yes. Um, and what's, what's been missing uh, is the understanding that we have not included the family in the process of our estate planning. We plan around them. We meet with an attorney. Oftentimes families keep their estate planning a secret they don't want their family some families don't want their family to know how much wealth they have because they think it will 
you know, alter their behavior and become trust fund babies. Uh, sometimes families have a different definition of what fair is. And so they may have left more to one child who has maybe some physical disabilities. And so they put more money aside for that child, or they may have a child who struggled financially. So the parents decide, well, let's leave, you know, Susie more money, but Billy is a successful attorney. So he doesn't need our wealth, but they don't have those conversations. And so we're planning estates around families, but not including them in the conversation. And then they'll go to their CPA. They'll add in a tax plan to save on taxes. They'll go to their wealth advisor. They'll create massive amount of wealth for their family or try to, but they don't talk to their family and they don't include them. And so that's what legacy planning is the piece that brings the legacy, that brings the family into the process. And uh, I'll just give you one more statistic that to me was shocking when I put all these pieces together. Uh, and this is, comes from a 30 plus year survey done by Roy Williams, where he studied over 3000 families. And because of his work, we now understand that over 70% of families lose a portion of their wealth at the first inheritance wealth transfer. But that is just a leading indicator of family problems. Because 97% of the wealth loss is caused by the family itself. And currently, without legacy planning, there's no plan to address the family issues that cause the family wealth loss. So it sounds to me like <clears throat> it sounds like it coming down to starting with the conversations and a change of the mindset. Now, which comes first? It like, sounds like the chicken and the egg. Is it the mindset change? Or is it, is it the conversation we have to have? How, how do we start? Well, and I think this goes back to the procrastination um, issue that you were talking about before, David. We don't know how to do this. And anytime we don't know how to do something, we don't do it at all. And it could be, it, you know, if you think about it and you think about wanting to achieve something, I'll just give you a perfect example my husband and I just recently moved and I was going to sew some shower curtains into drapes to hide suitcases in my closet. And I, I wasn't confident in my ability to sew because I'm, I'm not a master seamstress. I've, I took a class 40 years ago and I've been hauling around a, a little portable sewing machine for, you know, 40 years. And I have to pull the book out to learn how to thread the machine every time, right? And so it's like one little piece that we don't know how to do can stall it. Well, we're asking families to have conversations about death and aging and money and relationship issues. And those have been taboo topics. We, we don't know how to talk about that. And so because we don't know how to talk about it, we don't. And the other piece of this is that our brains are wired to keep us alive and keep us comfortable. And so to think about our own mortality makes us uncomfortable. And so our brain's really good about taking care of the things that are right in front of our face um, and, and ignoring those things that will happen in the future. So there's, there's, there's mindset, there's lack of knowledge, there's lack of assistance. There's a lot of things that are preventing this from moving forward. You, you say that the, when I was asking about the mindset, has that I, I mean, I, I guess the issue of legacy planning has always been there and the problems, but is it because of the 
the pandemic and what we've gone through over the last two years, that everybody's psyche is a little bit damaged and they're now looking at things differently. And they don't know how, they know they should be doing something, but they don't know what they should be doing. Well, and I, I'm gonna tell you, I disagree with the word damaged because okay. I feel like, you know, because I'm, I'm someone who's been talking about death, aging and dying for a long time now, I see the pandemic as an opportunity for people to face issues that they've been avoiding for a long time. And so I feel like the pandemic has made it in our face. Like it's hard to ignore that we don't know when we're gonna die. It's hard to ignore that we're not prepared. Um, in some ways, the pandemic has been a gift in that it gives us an opportunity to talk about things that are really important that we haven't been doing in the past. And that's so in the past we it's we've been uncomfortable with the with the uh, with the subject and now we've made it the pandemic has even made us even more uncomfortable. As and opposed yet, to using the word damage, I'm sorry, maybe I shouldn't use damage. <laughs> I was uncomfortable. Now I'm more uncomfortable. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And 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 here's the thing: when we get so uncomfortable that the pain of our uncomfortableness is greater than the pain of staying the same. We'll take action. If if I'm if I've got the mindset that yes, you know, because of the, the situation and, and what's gone around, and I'm thinking about my own mortality, and um, I want to have those conversations. How do I start those conversations? Who am I going to have those conversations with? Bring them in on the planning area when I'm talking to my my uh, different advisors, or am I going to put together my plan and say this is what I I envision for my assets and, uh, and what I envision when I'm going to be leaving to you or I'm going to help you now. How, where, where do we go from here? Well, I feel like it's it's important to start with the basics, right? Like, you know, if you're if you play a sports and I know, David, you're a golfer. Um, if your game gets out of whack, you're going to go back to the basics and okay, you're golfer, going golfer to. Golfer is a strong word. I'm not a very good golfer, but yes, I. I know how to play golf, but let's keep moving. Sorry. Didn't mean to <laughs> but you, you would practice on the basics. You would not try to, you would focus on the basics to improve your game. Right. 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 So one of the things that I recommend families do is just really start with the basic and the basic first place to start is do I have a will or estate plan in place? Because most people don't. And so if that's the case, then that's the place to start. I believe that the most, one of the aspects of being successful is finding people who are, are successful and do what they do. With the world of information that we have, you know, do a little research and discover what you don't know you don't know, right? And so get, discover what the basics, what are the basics of estate planning and who can you go to for help? Find a who to help you. I, I, you know, I would not recommend just launching into this uh, without having a team of professional people to help me. So you're saying the first step would be at least have a will. And yes. Ha and by having that will, you've chosen an executor and have an, and had a conversation with them. Yes. And here's the interesting thing. You know, I have this three foot rule, David, that if anybody's within three feet of me, I'm going to be talking about legacy planning. And my poor family has gotten used to me 
asking waiters and waitresses if they have a will. Wow, you must be fun to be around at a, <laughs> at a social event. But anyway, here comes, yeah. here comes Cindy. It, it, oh, she's got legacy <laughs> planning on her mind. Go, go ahead. Well, and I, yeah, I do a little stand-up comedy and I say, you know, I can clear a room in seconds. You know, just, just let me start talking and I can clear a room. And what I've discovered, David, is that even getting a will, people aren't doing it because they don't know how to do it. They, they, they're so overwhelmed about what is a will, they don't even know where to start on that. So let's just even break it down there. You know, I created a little form to help people get prepared to even go have the conversation with the attorney. They don't even know how to do that. Okay. So, cause we're doing baby steps here. So we've, we've, we've got the will, we've decided we we're going to be talking with a professional. We've got uh, our executors in mind. So what should be the, the next step is, is before we have that bigger conversation. So the next step is, and, and let me ask you a question, David, because different people need different things, right? right. So let's, let's talk about who, let's talk about who we're talking about, right? Because the person that wants to leave wealth or procrastinating leaving wealth to their family now is different than someone who is even having trouble paying their bills. So let's let's establish that we're talking about someone in their, what, 60s who has excess wealth, they have an estate plan, and they want to make a better life for their family. Is that a fair enough assumption of who we want to talk about? So that we can make it not even in their 60s, why don't we just say baby boomers? Okay. Okay. Good. Good. At least 60. There you go. So baby boomers uh, that, okay. So their next step would be to um, decide that they want to have a purpose for their money. Like what is the purpose for your wealth? And it's an often overlooked step. And we help families create a purpose statement. And it's interesting because when you do that, when you introduce that idea to the family as a legacy planning, um, in, and again, we're talking about bringing the family into the conversation, when the entire family has a purpose for the wealth that's bigger than themselves, it's a unifying um, culture that prevents family relationships right. from so, falling so, apart. So give me an example of a, a purpose. Um, well, so one of the purposes that we have is to invest in um, education. We believe that, you know, educated people can make better choices, right? And so as a family, we are, um, well, and let me just put a, a, a caveat to this. We were all set to make a donation to the New Mexico State University to have a scholarship created in honor of my father-in-law and mother-in-law and then the pandemic happened and the university kind of shut down <laughs> and so we are once that gets back together we will be making a scholarship that we will um, help other people get an education and in the meantime we've been investing in the education of our own family so that's in, that's in your document you call it the purpose well, we actually have a, we have a, what we call a, a enterprise statement for our family. I mean, this is really getting into some nitty gritty stuff here, David. We help families create an enterprise statement. And then inside the enterprise statement is our statement of purpose. Okay. Because so, when I, 
when I work with families, I'm looking a hundred years in the future, David, I want to have a document that outlasts me and my children and my grandchildren, because I won't be here in a hundred years. My kids probably won't be here in a hundred years. When you're, when you're doing this, because it, it's in, and this is why we're breaking the show up into two episodes. When we're, we're doing this at this point, We've brought in the the family and and you as the uh, matriarch, you and your husband, are um, saying to the kids, "This is what we're going to. This is what our vision is, and this is the document that we're all going to work from." They understand what's going to be expected of them and what they also w- could expect. I'm not going to say dollar amounts, but it could be a percentage of your of your estate. Is 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 that the, the track we're running on? Well, it's um, it's not quite so simple, David, but the idea is, is that, and I'll just tell you the process that we take families through, maybe this will make it a little bit easier. As we consider ourselves the founders, we're the first generation to have created wealth for our family. And our goal is to get it to the fourth generation. Earlier, you had said that, you know, there's, the statistics that 70% of families lose wealth in that first generation transfer and less than 10% of families make it past the third generation. So the key for uh, creating lasting wealth in your family is to get it to the fourth generation and beyond. And the way to do that is to recognize that with each of the first three generations, the founder, the second generation, the third generation, there needs to be a different style of making decisions about your wealth and your family. Typically, the first generation is a husband and wife. If they have a decision to make about their money, they have a conversation and they do it. Sometimes they don't have a conversation and they do it. Uh, I know one time I drove home from a trip and bought a new car on the way home. And my husband called me. He's like, where are you? And I was like, oh, I decided to trade in my car and buy a new car. I never had a conversation with him about that. I just did it. <laughs> but um, I've gotten better about at least having a conversation about you know, how we invest our wealth. The second generation for us is three daughters. Well, they need to have, uh, they would be considered a partnership. So they need to have a different form of governance as partners if we want the wealth to continue for them to make decisions. And then the key piece of this is the third generation called the cousin consortium. And the cousin consortium consists of children who is raised in different households. They have different experiences. They have different values. And now you're asking them to make decisions about retaining wealth and staying together as a family. So this legacy piece is the thread that you build that continues past the third generation. And it allows each one of those generations to have a central core values and and this culture and this enterprise statement that that they can use to build as a structure for the family everything you're saying is is well and fine it sounds great but there's going to be the skeptics that either are going to avoid the issue altogether or the skeptics that are going to say you know what we all we all get along there's no need for that when i'm gone everything will go great because, you know, we get together at the holidays and everybody's laughing and having a good time. So, so there's, there's no need for all of the, you know, this purpose statement and all this other stuff that you're talking about. What do you say to a founder 
because that's who we're talking to, the baby boomers or the founders. What would you say to the founder who has that mindset that we all get along, what I've done is enough. They don't need to, we don't have to have a conversation. They don't need to be involved with this. I made this money. They didn't. Well, it's interesting. I asked the founder, what do you want to accomplish? Right. And what do you want to accomplish with your wealth? And I've never found anybody that said, I want to destroy my family. Right. They all like, well, I've created this wealth. That alone is their gift. I'm not going to be around. They can do with it what they want. Right. Unfortunately, I've seen families survive a bad estate plan. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll share a story with you. Um, he was really a really good friend of ours. His wife of 60 plus years passed away and he was 93. And because of a previous health issue, his granddaughter was the executor of their estate. And his only daughter had previously passed away. And grandpa started dating again. He was 93 years old. He didn't want to be alone. So the executor called and, and said he was a health risk for being unable to live alone. So they showed up at his door at eight o'clock in the morning and basically arrested him and put him in a hospital until he could prove that he was capable of caring for himself. A week later, when he convinced the hospital that he was just fine and they brought him back, the granddaughters had cleaned out the house of grandma's jewelry. They cut him off from his own money and he had to hire an attorney to retain his own wealth that he had earned and it was an ugly scene so and 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 that's why i'm a big fan of sharing wealth with your family while you're alive because you get to discover these issues while you still have time to correct them right right well i'm going to stop you there because i think that's a a great starting point to jump on to our next episode where we're going to talk about how to share your wealth and not run out of money and destroy your family. What do you think? I think that's great. Um, and I appreciate the opportunity to share these stories. And before we do though, let me wrap the story up. Go ahead. Um, Grandpa did remarry. He outlived another wife. Wow. <laughs> he lived, he was almost 101 when he passed away. And uh, unfortunately, the second wife's family tried to get into his business um, of, of, you know, fighting over his wealth. This gentleman had two opportunities with two different wives and two different sets of families fighting over his wealth because he lacked an estate. He, he lacked a legacy plan. He had an estate plan, but they never talked about wealth and they never had the unifying purpose. And so, um, I just, I'm, I'm really excited about families to have these conversations because I think that it transforms lives. Cindy, this is a great part one. We're going to do part two in the next episode. Again, we're going to talk about uh, how to share that wealth and not run out of money. Clearly, um, the gentleman here at 101 still had enough money that people were even the second wife. And the family wanted to fight over it. So we're going to talk about that in the next episode. Thanks for uh, joining me here today. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to the Executor Help Podcast. For more details, visit davidedy.com. 
or follow David on Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter.